Chapter Eleven, Part One Continued of More Love to Thee The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. More Love to Thee The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice. Chapter Eleven, Part One Continued. January the third, eighteen seventy. You will want to hear all about New Year's Day, and where shall I begin unless at the end thereof, when your and Mrs. Smith's letters came, and which caused Papa ungraciously to leave me to entertain, while he greedily devoured them and his dinner. In spite of rain, we had a steady flow of visitors. I will enclose a list for your delectation, for, as reading a cookbook sort of feeds one, reading familiar names sort of comforts one. Mr. Blank was softer and more languishing than ever, and appeared like a man who had been fed on honey off the tips of a canary bird's feather. Papa and I agreed, talking it over last evening, that it is a bad plan for husbands and wives not to live and die together, as the one who is left is apt to cut up. He hinted that I was so fond of admiration that he was afraid I should if he died. On questioning him as to what he meant by this abominable speech, he said he meant to pay me a compliment, that he thought me very susceptible when people loved me and very fond of being loved, which I am by him. All other men I hate. My cousin G dined with us on Friday and took me to the meeting held annually at Dr. Adams' church. I like him ever so much, though he is a man. G has brought me in some dandelions from the churchyard. We have not had one day of severe cold yet, and there is a great deal of sickness about in consequence. Friday. I spent a part of last evening in writing an article about Mrs. C.'s poem for the Sabbath at Home, and have a little fit of indigestion as my reward. Have been to see my sick woman with jelly and consolation, and from there to Mrs. D., who gave me a beautiful account of Mrs. Comings' last days, and of her readiness and gladness to go. I was at the meeting at Dr. Rogers yesterday afternoon, and heard old Dr. Ting for the first time, and he spoke beautifully. Well, Chi Alpha is over. We had a very large attendance, and the oysters were burnt. It is dreadfully trying when Maria never once failed before to have them so extra nice. Dr. Hall came and told me he had been sending copies of Fred and Maria and me to friends in Ireland. Martha and Jane and M and H were all standing in a row together when the parsons come out to tea and one of them marched up to the row saying to papa are these your children when martha and jane made a precipitate retreat into the pantry good night darling lots of love to mrs smith and all of them your affectionate mamma eleventh yours came today and Papa and I had a brief duel with hairpins and penknives as to which should read it aloud to the other, and I beat. I should have enjoyed Eigensinn 
I am sure. You know I have read it in German. The children all three are lovely, and what with them and papa and other things, my cup is running over tremendously. I have just heard that a poor woman I have been to see a few times died this morning. I always came away from her crestfallen, thinking I was the biggest poke in a sick room there ever was. But she sent me a dying message that quite comforted me. She had once lived in plenty, but was fearfully destitute, and I fear she and her family suffered for want of common necessaries. Thursday. I had an early and a long call from one of our church, who wanted to tell me, among other things, that her husband scolded her for bumping her head in the night. She wept, and I condoled. She went away at last, smiling. Then I went to the sewing circle, and idled about till one. Then I had several calls. Then Papa and I went out to make a lot of calls. Then came a note from a sick lady, whom I shall go to see, in spite of my horror of strangers. Papa got a letter from Prof. Smith, which gave us great pleasure. Z was here yesterday. I asked her to stay to lunch, bribing her with a cup of tea, and so she stayed, and we had a real nice time. When she went away, I told her I was dead in love with her. Friday evening. The children have all gone to bed. M and G have been reading all the evening. M busy on Miss Olcott's Little Women, and G shaking his sides over old numbers of the Riverside. Papa says our house ought to have a sign put out. Souls cured here, because so many people come to tell their troubles. People used to do just so to my mother, and I suppose always do to parsons' wives, if they'll let them. Monday. Papa preached delightfully yesterday. Mr. B took a pew, and Mr. I don't know who took another. Your letter came this morning, and was full of interesting things. I hope Mrs. S. will send me her own, and Jean Ingelow's verses. What fun to get into a correspondence with her. I have had an interesting time today. Dr. Skinner lent me some months ago a little book called God's Furnace. I didn't like it at first, but read it through several times and liked it better and better each time. And today Mrs. Blank brought the author to spend a few hours. She lives out of town, and we three black-eyed women had a remarkable time together. There is certainly such a thing as a heaven below only it doesn't last as the real heaven will. We had Mr. C. to tea last night. After tea, he read us three poems of his wife, and Papa was weak enough to go and read him some verses of mine, which he ought not to have done till I am dead and gone. Then he played and sang with the children, and we had prayers, and I read scraps to him and Papa from Faber's All for Jesus and Craig's Memoir. M is lying on the sofa studying. Papa is in his study. The boys are hazing about. It snows a little and melts as it falls. And so, with love to all, both great and small, I am your loving elderly lady with grey puffs. February the 8th, 1870. We are having a tremendous snowstorm for a wonder. I started out this morning with G and when we got to the Fifth Avenue clock, 
he found he should be late unless he ran, and I was glad to let him go and turn back to meet M, who had heavy books besides her umbrella. The wind blew furiously, my umbrella broke and flew off in a tangent, and when I got it, it turned wrong side out, and I came near ascending as in a balloon. M soon came in sight, and I convoyed her safely to school. Mrs. Blank told a friend of ours that Mr. and Mrs. Prentice really enjoyed Mrs. C.'s death, and they seemed destitute of natural affection, and that as for Mrs. P., it was plain she had never suffered in any way. Considering the tears we both shed over Mrs. C. and some other little items in our past history, we must set Mrs. Blank down as wiser than the ancients. Sunday evening. Yesterday, Lizzie B. came to say that her mother was in a gully and wanted me to come and pull her out. I went and found her greatly depressed and felt sure it was all physical and not a case for special spiritual pulling. So I coaxed her, laughed at her, and cheered her all I could. She said she had been a solemn pig for a week, in allusion to some pictures Dr. P. had drawn for her and for me, illustrating the solemn pig and the jolly pig. Mr. Randolph has sent up a letter from a man in Nice, whose wife wants to translate Katie into French. I sent word they might translate it into Hottentot for all me. Good night, my dear. I am sound asleep. Your affectionate mother, Prentice. Tuesday. On Sunday, Papa preached a sermon in behalf of the mission, asking for $35,000 to build a chapel, for which Mr. Cady had made a plan. I got greatly stirred up, as I hope everybody did. Mr. Dodge will give one quarter of the sum needed. It is Washington's birthday, and the children are all at home from school, and are at the dining room table drawing maps. Mr. and Mrs. G. called, but I was out seeing a poor woman, whose romance of love and sorrow I should like to tell you about, if it would not fill a book. She says Bishop S. has supported her and her three children for seven months out of his own pocket. Saturday, February the 26th. Your two last letters, together with Mrs. Smith's, were all in the box as I was starting with M. for her music. My children pulled in opposite directions, but I pushed on and Papa saved the letters to read to me when I got back. He reads them awfully and will puzzle over a word long enough for me to have leisure to go crazy and recover my sanity. However, nobody shall make fun of him save myself, so look out. The boys have gone skating today for the third time this winter. There has been so little cold weather. Sunday evening. I did not mean to plague you with stepping heavenward any more, but we have had a scene today which will amuse you and Mrs. Smith. Just before service began, an aristocratic-looking lady, seated in front of Mrs. B, began to talk to her, whereupon Mrs. B turned round and announced to the congregation that I was the subject of it by pointing me out and then getting up and bringing her to our pew. Once there, she seized me by the hand and said, I am Mrs. Blank. I have just read your book and been carried away with it. 
I knew your husband thirty-three years ago, and have come here to see you both, etc., etc. Finding she could get nothing out of me, she fell upon M, and asked her if I was her sister, which M declared I was not. After church, I invited her to step into the parsonage, and she stepped in for an hour and told this story. She had had the book lent her, and yesterday, lunching at Mrs. A's, asked her if she had read it, and finding she had not, made her promise to get it. She then asked who this E. Prentice was, and Lady Present enlightened her. What? My sister's beloved Miss Payson, and married to George Prentice, my old friend? I'll go there to church tomorrow and see for myself. So it turns out that she was a Miss Blank of Mississippi, that your father gallanted her to Louisville when she was going there to be married at sixteen years of age, that she was living in Richmond at the time I was teaching there, her sister boarding in the house with me. Such talking, such life and enthusiasm, you never saw in a woman of forty-eight. Well, she winds up at last, I've found two treasures, and you needn't think I'm going to let you go. I'll go home and tell Mr. Bank all about it. Papa and I have called each other two treasures ever since she went away. The whole scene worked him up and did him good, for he always loves to have his southern friends drum him up and talk to him of your Uncle Sergeant and Aunt Anna. Mr. Blank is one of our millionaires, and she married him a year ago, after thirteen years of widowhood. She says she still has two hundred Negroes who won't go away and won't work, and she has them to support. She talked very rationally about the war, and says not a soul at the South would have slavery back if they could. I called at Mrs. B's yesterday. At exactly the right moment, she said, for five surgeons had just decided that the operation had been a failure and that she must die. Her husband looked as white as this paper, and the girls were in great distress, but Mrs. B looked perfectly radiant. Saturday, March the 5th. Yesterday I went to make a ghostly call on Mrs. B, and kept her and the girls screaming with laughter for an hour, which did me lots of good, and I hope did not hurt them. I have written the 403rd page of my serial today, and hope it will be the last. It will soon be time to think of the spring shopping. I don't know what any of us need, and never notice what people are wearing, unless I notice by going forth on a tour of observation. Sunday evening. After church this afternoon, Mrs. N and Mrs. V came in to tell us about the death of that servant of theirs, whom they nursed in their own house, who has been dying for seven months of cancer. She died a most fearless, happy death, and I wish I knew I should be as patient in my last illness as they represent her as being. Your letters to the children came yesterday afternoon to their great delight. In an evil moment, I told the boys that I had seen it stated, in some paper, that Benzol would make paper transparent, and afterwards evaporate, and leave the paper uninjured. They drove me raving distracted with questions about it, so that I had to be put in a straitjacket. The ingenuity and persistence of these questions, asked by each, in separate interviews, was beyond description. 
Tuesday. For once I have been caught napping and have not mailed my weekly letter. But you will be expecting some irregularity about the time of your flight to Berlin. I called at Mrs. M's today and ran on at such a rate that Mrs. Woolsey, who was there, gave me ten dollars for poor folks and said she wished I'd stay all day. Afterwards I went downtown to get stepping heavenward for Mr. C, and as he wanted me to write something in it, have just written this, Mr. C, from Mrs. Prentice, in loving memory of one who did outrun us and stepped into heaven first. Mr. Bates showed me a half-column notice of it in the liberal Christian, of all places, by very far the warmest and best of all that have appeared. Papa is at Dr. McClintock's funeral. I declare, if it isn't snowing again, and the sun is shining. Now comes a letter from Uncle Charles, saying that your Uncle H has lost that splendid little girl of his, the only girl he ever had, and the child of his heart of hearts. Mrs. W says she never saw Papa and myself look so well, but some gentleman told Mr. Brace, who told his wife, who told me, that I was killing myself with long walks. I cannot answer your questions about Mr. Blank's call. So much is all the time going on that one event speedily effaces the impression of another. March the 12th. Julia Willis spent the evening here not long ago and made me laugh well. She took me on Friday to see Fanny Fern, who hugged and kissed me, and whom it was rather pleasant to see after nearly, if not quite, thirty years' separation. She says nobody but a Payson could have written Stepping Heavenward, which is absurd. March the 17th. I went to the sewing circle and helped Tucker Quilt, had a talk with Mrs. W, got home at a quarter of one and ate two apples, and have been since then reading the secret correspondence of Madame Guillon and Fenelon in Old French. Saturday the 19th. I've just seen M to the conservatory. Met Dr. Skinner on the way home, who said he had been reading Stepping Heavenward, and he hoped he should step all the faster for it. Z has often invited us to come and see her new home, and as the 16th comes on a Saturday, we are talking a little of all going up to lunch with her. Evening. It has been such a nice warm day. I had a pleasant call from Mrs. Dr. Blank. She asked me if I did not get the theology of stepping heavenward out of my father's thoughts, but as I have not read them for thirty years, I doubt if I did, and as I am older than my father was when he uttered those thoughts, I have a right to a theology of my own. Monday. Yesterday, in the afternoon, we had the Sunday school anniversary, which went off very well. Mr. C. came to tea. After it and prayers, we sat round the table, and I read scraps from Madame Guyon and Fenelon, and we talked them over. Papa was greatly pleased at the latter's saying he often stopped in the midst of his devotions to play. Quand je suis seul, je joue quelquefois comme un petit enfant, même en faisant oraison. Il m'arrive quelquefois de sauter et de rire tout seul comme un faux dans ma chambre. 
avant-hier, étant dans la sacristie et répondant à une personne qui me questionnait pour ne la point scandaliser sur la question. Je me paraissais et je fis une espèce de mensonge. Cela me donna quelques réponses à dire la messe, mais je ne la sais pas de la dire. I do not advise you to stop to play in the midst of your prayers or to tell une espèce de mensonge till you are as much of a saint as he was. Saturday, 26th. Your letter and Mrs. Smith's came together this afternoon. It was pleasant to hear from Papa's old friends at Halle, and he will be delighted when he comes home from Chi Alpha, where he is now. Lizzie B. called this afternoon. She wanted to open out her poor sick heart to me. She quoted me several things she says I wrote her a few weeks ago, but I have not the faintest recollection of writing them. That shows what a harem scarum life I lead. March the 31st. We spent Tuesday evening at the Skinner's. We had a charming visit. No one there but Mrs. Sampson and her sister, and Dr. S. wide awake and full of enthusiasm. We did not get to bed till midnight. Mrs. Blank came this morning and begged me to lend her some money as she had got behindhand. I let her have five dollars, though I do not feel sure that I shall see it again, and she wept a little weep and went away. A lady told Cousin C she had heard I was so shy that once having promised to go to a lunch party, my courage failed at the last moment so that I could not go. I shall expect to learn next that my hair is red. Monday, April the 4th. Your presents came Saturday while I was out. We are all delighted with them, but I was most so, for two such darling little vases were surely never before seen. M had Maggie to spend Saturday afternoon and take tea. She asked me if I did not make a distinction between talent and genius, which Papa thought very smart of her. I read aloud to them all the evening one of the German stories by Julius Horn. Mr. and Mrs. C. came in after church, and I asked them to stay to tea, which they did. After it was over, and we had had prayers, we had a little sing, Mrs. C. playing, and among other things, sang a little hymn of mine, which I wrote I know not when, but which Papa liked well enough to have printed. If copies come today, as promised, I will enclose one or two. After the singing, Papa and I took turns, as we could snatch a chance from each other, in reading to them from favourite books, which they enjoyed very much. April the ninth. We called on Mrs. H. M. Field yesterday, and I never saw, or rather heard, her so brilliant. In the evening, I read aloud to the children a real, live, wide-awake Sunday school book called Old Stories in a New Dress. Bible stories, headed thus, The Handsome Rebel, The Young Volunteer, The Ingenious Mechanics. April the 16th. I cannot go to bed, my dear chicken, till I have told you what a charming day we have had. To go back to yesterday, my headache entirely disappeared by the time the Skinners got here, and we had a pleasant, cosy evening with them, and at the end made Dr. Skinner pray over us. 
everything went off nicely. The children enjoyed the trip tremendously and hated to come away. We picked a lot of fil avant la mer, and they came home in good condition. Mr. Wolsey and Z gave me a little silver figure holding a cup on blue velvet, which is ever so pretty. We got home at half past six. Later in the evening, President Hopkins called to offer his congratulations. And now I am tired, I can tell you. It is outrageous for you and the Smiths to be away. I don't see how you can have the heart. You ought to come by dispatch as telegrams. 17th. Dr. Hopkins preached a splendid sermon for us this morning and came in after it for a call. He asked me last night if I felt conceited about my book, so I said to him, I like to give people as good as they send. Don't you feel a little conceited after that sermon? On which he gave me a good shaking. 18th. I have been writing notes of thanksgiving, each of which dear papa reads through rose-coloured spectacles and says, You do beat all. I have enjoyed writing them instead of finding it a bore. We shall be curious to hear how you celebrated our wedding day. Well, good-bye, old child. I shall begin another letter today, as like as not. Monday, April the 25th. Friday morning, in the midst of my plans for helping Aunt E. shop, came a message from Mrs. B. that she wanted to see me. I had not expected to see her again, and of course was glad to go. She had altered so that I should not have known her and it was hard to hear what she had to say, she is so feeble. She went back to the first time she saw me, told me what I had on, and how her heart was knitted to me. She then spoke of her approaching death, said she had no ecstasies, no revelations, but had been in perfect peace, suffering agonies of pain, yet not one pain too many. I asked her if she had any parting counsel to give me, no, not a word. I only wanted to see your sunny face once more and tell you what a comfort you have been to me in this sickness. This all came at intervals. She was so weak. She afterwards said, I feel as if I never was acquainted with Christ till now. I tell my sons to become intimately acquainted with him. I asked her if she took pleasure in thinking of meeting friends in heaven. With a sweet, somewhat comical smile, she said, no, I haven't got so far as that. I think only of meeting Christ. For all that, I said, you will soon see my father and mother and other kindred souls. Her face lighted up again. Why, so I shall. Her lips were growing white with pain while this bright smile was on them, and I came away, though I should gladly have listened to her by the hour. Everything was so natural, sound, and heavenly. Shopping after it did not prove particularly congenial, but we must shop as well as die. April the 29th. Your first Dresden letter has just come. Yes, it was long enough, though you did not tell us how the cat did. You speak as if you were going to Paris, but Papa is positive you are not. Yesterday was a lovely day, though very hot. Dr. Adams came and drove Papa to the park. Late in the afternoon, I went to see Mrs. G., the woman whose husband is in jail. She is usually all in a muss, but this time was as nice as could be, 
the floor clean and everything in order. The baby, a year old, had learned to walk since I was last there and came and planted herself in front of me and stared at me out of two great bright eyes most of the time. I had a nice visit as Mrs. G seems to be making a good use of her troubles. After I got home, Dr. and Mrs. C arrived and we had dinner and a tremendous thunder shower after which he went out to make forty eleven calls. He was pleased to say that he wanted his wife to see the lovely family picture we make. It is a glum, cold, lowering morning, but the seas are going to see the Frenchies at West Point and Miss Lyman at Vassar. Monday. I went to Miss C's, the dressmaker, again today, and found her much out of health and about reducing her business and moving. One of the old sisters had been reading Stepping Heavenward and almost ate me up. I got a pleasant word about it last night from Mrs. General Upton, who has just died at Nassau. I have seen Mrs. B. today. She did not open her eyes, but besought me to pray for her release. She can't last long. The boys are off rolling hoop again, and M. is out walking with Ida. Papa informed me last night that I had got a very pretty bonnet. The bonnets now consist of a little fuss and a good many flowers. Papa has gone to Dorset and has had a splendid day for his journey. Thursday, May the 12th. Yesterday, Miss Blank came to tell me about the killing of her brother on the railroad and to cry her very heart out on my shoulder. In the midst of it came a note from Lizzie B., saying her mother had just dropped away. I called there early this morning. We then went to the park with your uncle and aunt, after which they left and I rushed out to get cap and collar to wear at Mrs. Blank's dinner. I got back in time to go to the funeral at 4pm. Dr. Murray made an excellent appreciative address. Papa then read extracts from a paper of mine, things she had said. The prayer followed and then her sons sang a hymn. I came home tired and laid me down to rest. At half past six it popped into my head that I was not dressed, and I did it speedily. We supposed we were only to meet the Reverend Doctor and Mrs. Blank of Brooklyn, but lo, a lot of people in full dress. We had a regular state dinner, course after course. Dr. Blank sat next to me and made himself very agreeable except when he said I was the most subtle satirist he ever met. I did run him a little. Mrs. Blank is a picture. She had a way of looking at me through her eyeglass till she put me out of countenance, and then smiling in a sweet, satisfied manner and laying down her glass. We came home as soon as the gentleman left the table and got here just as the clock was striking twelve. Friday. We began this day by going at 10 a.m. to the funeral of Mrs. W.'s poor little baby, and the first words Papa read, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, etc., explained his and my state of mind after last night's dissipation. He made a very touching address. Later in the day, we went out to see Miss Blank, as we had promised to do. We went through the park, lingered there a while, and then went on and made a long call. When we rose to come away, she said she never let people go away without lunch, 
and made us go down to the following buns three kinds of cake pies doughnuts cheese lemonade apples oranges pineapples a soup tureen of strawberries a quart of cream two custard puddings one hot and one cold homemade wine cold corned beef cold roast beef and for aught i know forty other things we came away awfully tired and papa complained of want of appetite at dinner good-bye dearie i forgot to tell you the boys have got a dog he came of his own accord and has made them very happy we haven't let papa see him you may depend wednesday may the eighteenth papa is packing his trunk for philadelphia and i am sitting at my new library table to write on my letter i went yesterday to see that lady who has fits she had one in the morning that lasted over an hour and a half she is a very bright animated creature and does not look older than you thursday papa got off yesterday at eleven for the general assembly and i went to mrs d's and stayed four hours she sent for mr s's baby who does not creep but walks in the quaintest little way i shall write a note to mr s who feels anxious at it not creeping fearing its limbs will not be strong to tell him that i hitched along exactly so now let me give you the history of this busy day we got up early and miss f called with m's two dresses after prayers and breakfast i wrote to papa went to school with h and marketed came home and found a letter from cincinnati urging for two hymns right away for a new hymn book they had several of mine already i said go to let us make a hymn prof smith in his review and made and sent them then i wrote to mr s and to mrs charles w blank then mrs c came and stayed till nearly four when she left and i went down to twenty-second street to call on a lady at the water cure then i went to see mrs c the wife of the reverend mr c i think i told you she had lost her little florence i do not remember ever seeing a person so broken down by grief she seemed absolutely heartbroken i could not get away till five and then i took two stages and got home as soon as i could knowing the children would be famishing so now count up my various professions chaplain marketer hymnist consoler of mr s mrs w mrs c and let me add of dr b who came and made a long call i am now going to lie down and read till i get rested for my brain has been on the steady stretch for thirteen hours one thing stepping on the heels of another may the twenty-third if your eyes were bright enough you might have seen me and my cousin george p tearing down broadway this afternoon as if mad dogs were after us he wanted me to have a fountain pen and the only way to accomplish it was to take me down to the place where they are sold below the astor house i wanted to walk and so did he but he had got to be on a boat for norwich at five p m and pack up between while however he concluded to risk it hence the way we raced was a caution i have just written him a long letter in rhyme with my new pen and now begin one in prose to you 
I have just got a letter from an anonymous admirer of stepping heavenward, enclosing ten dollars to give away. I wish it was a thousand. The children are in tribulation about their kitten, who committed suicide by knocking the ironing board onto herself. H made a diagram of the position of the board that I might fully comprehend the situation, and then showed me how the corks lay. They were not willing to part with the remains, and buried them in the yard. Saturday. I went to Yonkers with M and H to spend the day with Mrs. B. Her children are sweet and interesting as ever, but little Maggie, now three years old, is the queen of the house. She is a perfect specimen of what a child should be, gladsome, well, bright, and engaging. Her cheeks are rosy and shining, and she keeps up an incessant chatter. They are all wild about her, from papa and mamma down to the youngest child. End of chapter 11, part 1, continued.